Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang dhammang sankhang namatsang First, just to uh, mention that you may notice, those of you that regularly hear, we have a new sound system, and those of you that are poor of hearing, have got hearing aids on, can now appreciate our induction loop. The other thing you might notice is that I'm going to fumble and mumble a bit because I'm not quite used to hearing this um, resonant sound around the hall, so, um, but hopefully it doesn't get in the way too much. So there are two questions this evening. The first question, uh, somebody asked me before the meeting about the uh, what to do with a mind that is judging too much. That's the first question. And the second question, could you offer some reflections on how to skillfully work with anger and how you understand the meaning of transforming anger? I think uh, I would say that those two questions go together quite comfortably. And the place I'd like to start is with what to do with a mind that is judging too much. And what immediately comes to my mind is the way that question is phrased. Uh, And what to do with a mind that is judging too much. Uh, Which, of course, what I hear is a judgment. I shouldn't be judging. My mind is judging too much. And we can make all sorts of efforts to stop ourselves judging because we think we shouldn't judge. And it's like with with anger. We get ourselves into trouble with anger or we hurt because of somebody else's anger or whatever. I shouldn't get angry or or desire, we get ourselves into trouble with desire. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be suffering from, I shouldn't be caught up in desire. Just by telling ourselves we shouldn't be a certain way doesn't stop us being that way. So if we're suffering from a mind that is judging all the time, what I call the compulsive judging mind it's related to CJD CJM, you know CJD that, that they've got this crazy mad cow disease well, there's this CJM which all of us suffer from, compulsive judging mind yeah. or oh, CJD compulsive judging disorder we're all suffering from it it's, it's bad news it's, uh, and it's got serious consequences and very, very difficult to cure. Unless, unless you have a perspective on the way mindfulness really works. So we're suffering. We identify our suffering as coming from judging. I shouldn't be this way and they shouldn't be this way and I should know better and he should know better and she should know better and that should never have happened and so we're aware enough to reflect on this tendency of mind. 
But we need to get more subtle in our awareness because just to be sensitive to that pattern of thinking and to recognize that it's hurting us, but not to be aware how we add to it by saying, I shouldn't be this way, I shouldn't be judging. Isn't that what we do when we catch our mind judging? Like often when I, people come and talk to me about the pain of their judging mind and, and or they're indulging in their judging tendency, the conditioned judging, and so we get into a discussion about how you can watch the judging mind, and then the next minute they're making an observation about something, that, oh, I shouldn't be judging, which of course is a judgment. I shouldn't be judging, which means they haven't really learned yet. We've got to get quite subtle and quite clever and interested, because it's interest is the key. Interest is always the key. If we get interested, what is, what is really going on with this judging tendency of mind? What's really going on? What's it about? So to become a little sensitive and, and alert to the pattern of mind, that's the beginning. But we've got to get a lot more subtle than that. And what we're doing, you know, when we're meditating and we're watching the breath or listening to the sound of silence or whatever our meditation object is, and we're remembering to come back over and over again, remembering to come back, not follow the distractions. We're disciplining our attention. We're steadying our attention so that we can pay attention. We can pay attention to something that's really important. So something like, for instance, this compulsive judging mind, if we start to see what's going on, and we want to really pay attention to it. We want to really get to know it. I don't want to just listen to a talk by Ajahn Mendo about it or read a book about it. That's easy to do. I want to know it in a way that makes a difference. Really know it. Well, if we haven't disciplined our attention, then that's very difficult. Maybe we find we can't do it. You say, I want to look at this, I want to inquire, has it been in the minds off thinking about a movie or work tomorrow or an argument yesterday or something like that, whatever. And so to have some skill in applying attention is really important. But also bearing in mind when we're talking about like this, we're not just talking about willful concentration. I keep emphasizing uh, interest because it's my experience and observation that if we cultivate interest, consciously interested in reality, if we really cultivate this, well then this becomes the factor that brings about concentration. If we're interested in the reality, realizing that because I do something, I'm suffering, well then we can get really interested and say, what is, what is really going on with this judging mind? And that helps focus our attention, steady our minds and and then we can really start to contemplate it. And one of the things that needs to be contemplated is the fact that um, you know, it's, it's normal to have a compulsive judging mind. And this is how we're programmed. We've all been through a system that turns you out like this. We are the totally appropriate products of the kind of system that we went through. And the kind of education that we received, we're taught to use a discriminative intelligence. Always comparing scientific model, comparing things, judging things, evaluating things, assessing, and so on. And certainly that's got its place. That's, 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 that's one of the things that makes us human. That's one of the, 
the faculties that that uh, we exercise so as to feel safe, isn't it? We assess situations and we learn by comparing. So that's really important. That this faculty of discriminative intelligence is really important. However, we're not taught that it's just a faculty of mind, it's just one activity of mind. It's not who and what we really are. We're taught it's who and what we are. If you're at school, you know, you are as good as you can discriminate, basically. <laughs> you're as good as you can exercise your intelligence, your IQ, your discriminative intelligence. Your unitive intelligence, that is the kind of capacity for appreciating and delighting Delighting in beauty, delighting in the beauty of music, delighting in the beauty of nature, opening up and, and, and a, having a sense of awe for the great mystery of life. Occasionally, they might, they might, there might be somebody in the school that alluded to it in a poet in a poem in the English lesson once, but that's not generally what our education system is about. We're not, we don't have an encouragement to cultivate appreciative or dis- uh, unitive intelligence, it's all discriminative intelligence. So it's perfectly normal that we are this way. So we don't have to feel bad about it. We don't have to feel guilty that we're so out of balance. However, it is our responsibility to do something about it. And the thing is to get interested in it, to accept, alright, so this is the way my mind is, it's always judging. What can I do about it? I can watch it. I can watch it. I can, I can examine it. It's like anything else we want to know about. You examine it, you observe it. and So we steadied our attention, and hopefully, and then we examine this judging mind. And sometimes I think what's good is, and I encourage this often when it comes up in conversation with people, they come to me and they talk to me about their practice, and they're so intensely self-critical and judgment, judgmental, and not just themselves, but maybe their children or their partner as well, and, and life in general, and and it's tearing them apart. And, and yet here they are living in, a, in one of the wealthiest countries in the world with a, with a very benign government and, and everything is, is, is really very comfortable and yet uh, very miserable because of something that they're doing. So we talk about this, uh, this tendency of mind and then they, they talk about, well, I meditate and my meditation should have dealt with it. My meditation should have dealt with it. There it goes again permanently shooting on ourselves and not really aware of it. And so sometimes what I encourage people to do when this comes up is I say, well, stop meditating. Stop meditating and then just once a day sit in your armchair for 10 or 15 minutes or sit comfortably somewhere and do nothing. Turn off the telly, turn off the radio, turn off the iPod, put the cat out and the dog and the hamster and... The goldfish are okay, you can leave them in, so long as you're not looking at them. Just sit there and do nothing for 10 or 15 minutes and see what happens. You want to try it out, it's very interesting. You say, but I want to meditate. You say, what do you want to meditate for? Just so you can control your mind a bit more and so you don't have to see reality? What about reality? Mm-hmm. It's interest in reality that's meditation, that's what meditation's about. So one of the things that we get to notice if we do this exercise is you sit there and then after a few minutes you'll start, a voice might start coming out and saying, you should be doing better than this. You should be peaceful. You should be meditating. You shouldn't be wasting your time. You should be very interesting. Very interesting. What is that? That imposter. It's like we live in, somebody was talking to me recently about our thoughts being like, 
permanent advertising agencies that have got free access to our minds. It's like some advert- Mara's advertising agencies plugged in and just saying, get it now, do it now, you know, 40% reduction. It's just these, these, these crazy, crazy, insane promotions going on in our mind, telling us how we should and shouldn't be. And we often, we just buy right into it. Now that's bad news. Yeah. We're a sucker to Mara's economy. And that really, that's really sad. But the good news is, actually, we don't have to buy into it. We don't have to buy into it. It's not an obligation. If we become interested in it, we can simply listen to it. Sit there, don't meditate. Refuse to meditate. Just sit there and... Interesting. Judging mind. Just the one I want to meet. I want to meet you. I want to get to know you. Sit down. Have some tea. But don't make tea for 10 or 15 minutes. Just sit there and you can talk to the judging mind, compulsive judging mind, pleased to meet you. And then, but then something probably comes up, you shouldn't be judging. Ah, so, oh, there you are again, pleased to meet you. Absolutely insistent on being friendly to the compulsive judging mind. And see all the tricks that it gets up to. It is really devious, really, really devious, really tricky, very clever, very intelligent. Actually, just as intelligent as you. <laughs> Of course, it is you, <laughs> part of you. Yeah. But it's not all of us. It's not all of who we are. And that's the thing. That's what we want to see. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the judging capacity. The discriminative intelligence is really important to us. But it's like your hand. You know, if your hand's in front of your face like this, it's really not very helpful. I can't see very much. But if your hand's out here, oh, it's very nice. Pick up the tea and drink it. It's very good. The compulsive judging mind is the judging mind become dysfunctional. There's nothing wrong with the judging mind. Nothing wrong at all. It's not only nothing wrong, it's very good, very important, very healthy. But the way we've learned to relate to it is not very healthy. And it's spoiling it. It's spoiling its function. So when we notice that our mind is is always going on about how I should and shouldn't be, life should and shouldn't be, and other people should and shouldn't be, we don't just should in ourselves and say, I shouldn't be shoulding. That's not very clever. Yeah, it's a kind of maybe an initial response, but the, but the response of, a, of, a, of somebody committed to inquiry into reality is to say, very interesting. I want to look at this closer. No judgment. And it really doesn't matter how often you fail at it and get caught up in judging. This is one of the wonderful things about this, in this contemplation, this inquiry. You can fail at it continually. Keep failing. It doesn't matter. Because every time you fail, and then you remember, you say, no judgment. And the mindfulness gets stronger. And when you really got a handle on this, when, when there's a, a disidentification or a letting go of the compulsive judging mind happens, and the judging faculty starts to resume its proper function then actually you don't even mind failing so much. We learn from failure, what we call failure. It's not really failure. We learn from it. One of the reasons we can't learn from it, one of the reasons we have trouble learning from our so-called failures, is because as soon as we see that we've supposedly failed, we condemn ourselves for it and say, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have failed. I should know better after all this time, after all these years. But that's all extra. It's all extra. It's like preparing a beautiful meal and then putting something disgusting in it. 
You know, you put all this work into really nice organic vegetables and, 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 and make a wonderful broth and, and take a lot of time and care to prepare it. And then when it's finished, you go and get some rancid dead animal and put in it <laughs> and spoil it. That's not very good, is it? We want to do that. But that's what we're doing. Uh, with hindsight, we start to realize that if we do disengage or let go of the compulsive judging mind, you realize how much more spacious it is. When our awareness is free from the tendency to be compulsively judging, we've got a much more functional level of awareness. Now, it's quite dangerous, really, to not attend to this. This is not just an optional inquiry. I would say this is basic. This is a place to even start practice. And I do talk about it a lot because I, I suffered from it a lot myself and realize how wonderful it is when you actually get a perspective on it and you don't have to be caught up in it. Because if we don't have perspective on it, even when we're doing well, even when meditation is going well, our relationships are going well, what's happening is there's this, this chatterbox in the background going, say, this is how it should be, you're doing well, you're cruising, you're on a roll, keep it going. And you're getting off on it. This, this, this commentator, like the sports commentators, and they're just really, really feeding on it. Well, you know, it's only a matter of time until it flips and you fall into the other one. So you're a lousy slob or something, I don't know what you call yourself. Start giving yourself a really bad time. So the only freedom, as far as I can see, the only freedom is through understanding. Not through willfully trying to stop ourselves by saying, I shouldn't be this way, I'm judging too much. When we hear ourselves saying, I'm judging too much, aha, very interesting. Very interesting. And this applies also to, to anger. The question, could you offer some reflections on how to skillfully work with anger? Well, I would say this is the place to start, um, working with anger. How judgmental are we of our anger? And, um, the question goes on. Uh, and how you understand the meaning of transforming anger? I think it's helpful to have this understanding of the transformation of anger for two reasons. One is that if we come at our practice with the idea of got to get rid of anger, we can have a pointless struggle going on, fighting ourselves, because this anger is just our own passionate energy. This is our own hearts. It's the same energy that manifests as love and compassion. It's just being kidnapped by the, our deluded thinking. It's exactly the same energy. So you can be busy trying to get rid of your own energy, which is not very good because we need all the energy we've got. So we don't want to approach it with a, the idea of the energy is bad. The energy is not bad. It's unfortunate the way that it's manifesting, that's for sure, because it hurts. But So if we consider, well, it's not the energy of anger that's a problem. It's our relationship to this energy. It's our understanding of this energy. It's our understanding of who and what we really are. This might be causing us the problem. So if we approach it from that perspective. And the other reason it's good, I think, to have this concept of transformation is that there are things we can do that can alter our perceptions, but they don't actually transform them. In other words, like, for instance, you go on a meditation retreat and you're surrounded by lots of loving, kind, considerate, sensitive people and 
and hearing some inspiring teachings and and you can just be full of love and light and you're meditating on loving kindness and everybody around is meditating on loving kindness and supporting you and you can love everybody, love your partner, love your brother, love your sister, love the cat, love the dog, love all the dogs, love your mother, love all your mothers, all your previous mothers, all your future mothers, whatever they've done or not done. You can love all beings, all realms of existence throughout all time while you're on retreat. And then you go away and you know, somebody cross cuts in in front of you, in front of the traffic lights. Or you're at the checkout counter in the supermarket. Or you get one of those phone calls from somebody. Or an email. Yeah. Or a spam email. You sit down at your computer and you get, after the retreat, 48 spam emails and two nice letters. And what happens to the anger then? Well, it can be very disappointing. People often make a mistake at that point. They think, oh, my practice is hopeless. I thought that I had gotten rid of my anger. What had happened is that we had altered our experience somewhat because the environment we were in it had helped us. And that's important to have that perspective, to be able to get a little bit free. Or you sit in meditation and we can alter our relationship to the activity of the mind. The mind becomes peaceful and calm for a while. And that's good. We, then we get to know what it's like to have a peaceful, calm mind. But then we go out and all the stimulus comes back. And because the deep tendencies to collapse and contract our awareness have not been transformed, that is our anger or our desire, because there hasn't been real transformation, then of course all the activity gets triggered again. And then we can, if we don't, if we're not careful, we can misappreciate, misunderstand, misperceive what's going on and think that what we've been doing is a waste of time. In fact, it wasn't a waste of time. It was a very important step. It's important to get a break. It's now how to give ourselves a break from the confusion of too much activity in our minds. But for transformation to take place, there's other factors need to be present. One of the things is that sometimes, with like for anger or, or uh, greed or fear or anxiety, these, these troubling tendencies... Sometimes you just have to be extraordinarily patient and bear with them for a very long time because, you know, we put a lot of energy into avoiding reality. But, you know, if we're honest, I'm sure most of us will own up to that. You know, we, rather than really dealing with the actuality of the fact that it's my clinging, it's my clinging that's creating the suffering. It's my interfering with reality Instead of owning up to that, we avoid it, we distract ourselves. And we've, we've done that, you know, with quite a lot of enthusiasm for a long time, and probably many lifetimes. And so we've got a strong momentum to it. And if, we, if we're not careful, we can again jump to conclusions. And just because we have an initial insight into something doesn't mean to say it's going to go away. Before a real transformation of that energy takes place, before a real fundamental shift in our relationship to our own heart, passion takes place, sometimes we have to bear with things for, it seems, eternally, sometimes tedious. And anger is a very good example because, you know, it's so unattractive that we don't want to deal with it. We keep putting it off, we distract ourselves, do anything. And so even when you've had some insight into the, like, you see, you see, you see for yourself, you know for yourself, 
and you really experience a real moment of letting go of anger or desire or these disturbances. I don't mean just letting go in our heads or letting go because we argue ourselves out of it. There's, there's different ways of letting go, two basic ways of letting go. One is the ego letting go and the other one is, is the heart letting go. When the ego lets go of something, it's a very superficial letting go. It's not a real letting go. It's, and it'll come back again very quickly. Mm. We can be inspired momentarily or we can read something in a book or, or we can just be in a good mood and, and, and get over something. And, uh, but we haven't really let go. The only way we're going to really let go is when we investigate into something, like, for instance, the compulsive judging mind, we look, look into it and we, we start to see for ourselves. We see, we see, really feel in our bodies, in our minds, we feel the pain of what's going on. As the Buddha said, through not knowing two things do you stay stuck in samsara. Not knowing suffering, not knowing the cause of suffering. Yeah, just these two things we have to know. So these are the two things that we have to examine. So to feel the suffering, oh, this is this judging business is really, well, this anger. Because yeah. you know, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just get angry or get judgmental. Yeah. So in our path of inquiry, we feel, like, oh, this really hurts. This judgment, oh, this anger. And then to really inquire into, to till we, till we see in a moment, aha, there's something I'm doing. And it's not coming up from up here anymore. It's not a conditioned egoic argument that we've put forward. But the heart sees, and it can be quite silent, totally silent. The heart knows and recognizes, aha, that's it. That's it. And even that that's it doesn't, that's just extra as well. It's not even a, a word. It's just there's the experience. And you know. And then you know. And the heart knows. Aha. And that's a real letting go. But that doesn't mean to say that that's a real transformation yet. In this consideration of anger, we can, we can see, oh yeah, when I dwell on that memory, and then the heat comes up in the body, and then there's a contraction takes place, I feel angry. At that moment, aha, I am born. Because a minute ago I wasn't angry, I was happy. Or I was peaceful or something. That was I, me, being something else completely different. But then when this happens, then I is born as an angry person. Now, because of all the energy we've invested in avoiding this tendency, this is the, what's the habit, this is the activity of ignorance. It's, a, it's an activity of ignoring reality. It's something we're doing. We're doing ignorance a lot of the time by ignoring this whole thing of suffering, the cause of suffering. But the Buddha was saying was, train mindfulness, become interested, investigate and come to see for yourself. But even when we do start to really see for ourselves, there's still going to be extraordinary patience and bear with things. And, and if we haven't understood, in our case, as Westerners, with our super active discriminative intelligence, if we haven't understood how we can interfere with this process, mm. then, then we can really undermine our practice. However, if we have inquired and we start to see and get freed from the compulsive judging mind, well then when we supposedly keep failing or we keep getting angry, whatever, no judgment. No judgment. And it's happening all the time. We don't have, it's not just in, in formal meditation or in retreat. And 
meditation does tend to amplify it. Like I noticed in my meditation this evening, I was sitting here, just gave a nice spiel about how lovely it is to be with you all, and <laughs> being peaceful and so on. And, and then my mind clicks back to just before I came into the hall here, and I was going to close the window, and somebody's pulled the handle off the window. You know, our nice cedar windows, and somebody's just ripped the handle off it, and it's kind of dangling half off. And, and I don't know who did it, but, you know, maybe they have told somebody, but they didn't tell me. And they could have at least left a note or whatever. And not only that, but somebody else has left these dirty teacups there as well. And now, these are the kind of things that I don't really, you know, I think, what do you want me to do? Go around cleaning up your dirty teacups and fixing your broken windows? I mean, you... <laughs> well, I didn't get too caught up in it, but I did notice that here in my meditation, sitting in front of all you lovely people, feeling peaceful, and suddenly there's this little whoop comes up. No judgment. We don't have to get judgmental because of these karmic patterns. We've all got all sorts of karmic patterns that we've created over lifetimes. And just because we've started to see through them doesn't mean to say they're going to be transformed. doesn't mean to say they're going to shift fundamentally from being a cause of suffering into being a, a, a factor of insight arising. Sometimes it takes a very long time, a lot of patience. But in support of this patience... I would like to emphasize again, and I'll end just now, but I would like to emphasize again how really important it is to factor in this, this, this need to inquire into the tendency of the mind to be always judging. Don't settle for just saying we shouldn't be judging. That's still playing Mara's game. And the compulsive judging mind is just so. For us to get to the point of seeing it's just so, requires a lot of patience, but more than patience, it requires interest, real interest. So, thank you for your questions this evening, and thank you very much for your attention.